Bird to your mother, it's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just a couple of feathery brethren weathering any season to see the Eagles eating teams like bacon, steaks, and cheese. It's Philadelphia, bow and shield in the cut, kicking it cooler than two penguins till Bo's old arch nemesis. Greg Cosell shows up and it gets real. Pull up a branch and chill, it's time to get ill with some Birds with Friends. The early birds gets the worm and prefers getting turned like a turn on some Birds with Friends. Bo Coming at you with stats and things, flapping their wings. The Eagles are Super Bowl champions. I'm going to get drunk. Where them beers, where them beers. All bottles on Mr. Lurie tonight. Damn, that's going to make me throw up. What was it like to have Bradley Cooper in the booth? We the best. No one could have got me a Caprice. Where's the ball security? Touchdown, Tom. Loser. Nick Foles never lost the Super Bowl. Uh, welcome in. Birds with Friends Radio on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio joined by Shil Capati and Bo Wolf of The Athletic for the next hour talking Eagles. We got report canards coming. We have three questions. And, uh, guys, I'm back. I was not here last week. so Great to see you. Thank you. The first thing I need to know is, how did Jack do last week? Well, I'll be honest. You know, we, we heard you weren't coming in last week on Wednesday, which I thought was a little suspicious the one day we're in. I wasn't sure if you were going to show up for any Wednesdays. I thought we had broke you. I thought you had had enough of maybe Bo's puns or maybe our nonsense every week. But you are back. You know, Jack did a good job, I think. I wouldn't say great. I think he's, you know, he's young. He's still got some work to do, but I would say a good job. Yeah, I mean, it was his first time. You can't say great job. He's, yeah. got, he's got some work to do. But I, I do have to say the one thing that has just stuck with me for the last week is that it's hard to take anyone seriously once they tell you that Mike and Ike is their favorite candy. That was a low point. Mike and Ike? Oh, I, mean, I love a good Mike and Ike. That is like Halloween it's, night. It's a disqualifying opinion. Every single thing he so says is, is like... Completely tainted yeah. by that opinion. I didn't know anyone actually liked Mike and they Ike. They don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's I mean, the point. I mean, What's maybe he's maybe he's like secretly eighty five years old. I don't know. Yeah, you're for kid like little kids or or old people. Why? That well, that's just a fact. They're just Jack. good jelly, better jelly beans. Ugh. Better jelly beans. All right, Jack. Uh, now, uh, now I, I don't know how we're going to move on for that. We're going to try though. Let's start, guys. The buy is over. The Eagles are back to practice, and they got some good news today. With Lane Johnson back in the mix. Let's start with our our three big questions for this week. Cowboys week. Eagles heading into the second half of the season. Lane Johnson is back, we think, or at least practicing. Darren Sproles could be coming back maybe this week. And it looks like that with the uh, moving on from DeAndre Carter. They also have guys in the secondary that could come back. Tim Jernigan could come back at some point. Of all the injured guys, Shia, we'll start with you. Who's the one that is the most important if they come back to second half success? I think it's probably Lane Johnson, and he's not the one who has missed time, but he's the one who has not looked like himself. Mm-hmm. He's the one who has the ceiling of being an all-pro right tackle. He hasn't shown it yet. I mean, credit to the guy. I thought there was no chance he was going to play in this game. If you watch the play where he got injured against the Jaguars, I don't know if you've seen the replay, but it was the play where Carson Wentz gets sacked, fumbled early on, and Wentz actually falls into Lane Johnson's knee. And, like, Lane Johnson is just not one of these players you're used to seeing getting up slowly or, you know, doing any of that stuff. And he was in a lot of pain. So he's going to play through that injury, and I just wonder, is he going to be able to get to 100% at any point the rest of the season? But, you know, to answer your question, if he can, if he can get back to playing at maybe 85% of what he was last year, uh, I think that's a huge difference maker and a huge change from what you've had the first half of the season. Yeah, I mean, I think the odds of him getting back to 100% are basically nil. Yeah. But uh, this is another example of what, what what we like to talk about and that football players are not like us. I mean, this is supposed to be like a four- to six-week injury. And yesterday, Jeff Stoutland's like, 
I don't know what you guys are talking about. I wouldn't count Lane Johnson out. He's he's a warrior. And I so, thought he was kidding when he said that. It's crazy. And he, you know what? He said the same thing the last time we talked to him. It was right after Jason Peters tore his bicep. And everybody's like, so what's it going to be like for Big V to have a week to practice before he plays left tackle? He's like, I'm, I'm not counting out Jason Peters. He's going to play. And you know what? You sort of wonder if, like, that example, you know, we always question why is Jason Peters playing. It's sort of setting that example. Maybe that's part of uh, the, the new norm is, you know, Putting yourself on the line for your teammates, right? Well, think of the two tackles they have right now, Peters and Johnson. You've got a bicep injury, a quad injury, an MCL injury, an ankle injury, and coming off a torn ACL. Right, between the two of them. Between the two of them. And, they're, and, they're, and neither of them has missed a game now. Jason Peters has missed plenty of time within those games, but they've, they've both started all eight games. And, yeah, not to pour cold water on it, but neither of them has played the right. way they're capable of. So it is a huge storyline uh, for the second half of the season. And it's not shocking that they haven't played their best because they've been banged up. Right. The other one this week is Darren Sproles. And I, I guess it was telegraphed yesterday when DeAndre Carter was, they moved on from him because it kind of signaled, okay, Darren Sproles probably ready. Doug Reader that today. Bo, I don't know what they're getting out of Darren Sproles, but if he can be the Darren Sproles we're used to, and uh, granted, we haven't seen that in a while now because he hasn't played much this year. Last year he got hurt in the third game of the season. If he's Darren Sproles, he makes a difference on this team. Well, I don't know what we're going to get out of Darren Sproles, but my expectation is that they are expecting a lot out of Darren Sproles. I think that they are going to ride him as if he is the number one uh, nominal running back of these four running backs. I think he's, if he's healthy, he's going to play the most snaps of those four guys. And the biggest reason for that, and one thing that Shield pointed out today on theathletic.com slash Philadelphia, is that they have been terrible, the running backs, in pass protection, and that is the biggest difference that Darren Sproles can make for this team. Carson Wentz is getting sacked at a very high rate, and one of the big reasons for that, beyond the offensive line, is that Wendell Smallwood specifically has been pretty bad, frankly, at at picking up blitzes. Darren Sproles is very good at that. I think they they lack a real third down back right now. I think Darren Sproles can offer that. And then, obviously, he will will be the, the main return man, I think. But I think the biggest thing is they need somebody to help keep Carson Wentz safe from blitzers. Is that a good thing, though, that they're gonna, they might play him that much or, or look at him as the nominal number one running back? It's he's, wild. He's, he's old. Yeah. No, it, it probably isn't. And the internal evaluation of Sproles and what we're talking about, it seems like there is a huge disparity. Like you mentioned, I mean, think about the early part of the season. This guy, you know, they're throwing him out there like he's uh, they did week one. Like he's like, a 21-year-old, he had, you know, yeah, fresh was, legs. Him and, and Jay Ajayi had the exact same amount of snaps in the first game. They it, split the most reps. It was unbelievable. And, you know, that to me is a recipe for disaster. You need this guy down the stretch. And in the playoffs, I would kind of ration him a little bit. You know, maybe he plays a little bit on offense. I would say definitely get him out there on third down because you need him in pass pro. He's your best pass catcher. And then return punts. And then everything else, like kind of see week by week, ease him in a little bit. But they are showing no signs of uh, that being the way they're going to go. So, yeah, he, he very well could play a large role right away on Sunday night. And then the other one for me, I think, you know, obviously there's a lot of guys in the secondary who are banged up right now. Jalen Mills, Doug Peterson said, is going to be out a little bit longer than this week, probably. Sidney Jones may be coming back next week, probably out this week. So we don't know what the lineup's going to be like in the secondary, especially in nickel. Dexter McDougall comes in, plays 85% of the snaps for two games, gets released for Craven LeBlanc. But I think you're going to see, I think this week you'll see Darby on the left, Rasul Douglas on the right. I don't know what we're going to see in nickel. You know, is Avante Max going to come down and Corey Graham plays safety in nickel? Is it going to be Craven LeBlanc, this guy we know nothing about? Another guy they get off the street and then he plays a lot? Right. I think that's possible. But to me, if Sidney Jones can come back next week and Jillian Mills doesn't play, 
all of a sudden, Sidney Jones has that audition to maybe stand out as an outside corner. And he could do it against Drew Brees and the Saints, which if well, he yeah, plays I mean, well. That's, that's a lot to ask. It is, but if he plays well in that game, right. everyone in this town will be saying, you, you can't take Sidney Jones out of the lineup. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it, but it, it's so funny looking at just this week, uh, this guy, Craven the Blank. I don't even know if the <laughs> you know listeners have even heard of this name. I know as of yesterday, the, corn, the defensive backs coach, Corey Unlin, had never met the guy, and on Sunday night, he could be your first-team nickel. That's all, you know, that's very possible. I get the sense they don't want to move Avante Maddox from that starting free safety role. You know, he's played well there. He's filled in nicely. He's a rookie. Do you want to move him back and forth every week? Maybe it's a matchup thing, and maybe they do, and they say we got to do this for Sunday night and then figure it out. But, you know, I think there's just as good of a chance that Maddox stays at free safety. And then, you know, I think Cole Beasley is overrated. I know Howard Eskin has had his beef with Cole Beasley. Those guys go back and forth. <laughs> but who thinks he's good? This year he's getting he's been he's better definitely this year. getting he's some pub this, this year, year, but you know, he's their slot receiver and that's a matchup they would go to quite a bit. They don't throw the ball downfield that much. Uh and it, it's kind of crazy. A guy off the street who no one in the city had heard of all of a sudden is playing big snaps in an NFC East matchup. Yeah, Avante Tough now. Yes, and Beasley has hurt the Eagles before. It was a Sunday night game down there a couple years ago. Beasley hurt the Eagles. Okay. Matt Malcolm had to come down and play safety. Yeah. Yeah, he, so he's had success. That will be a matchup. Well, he's going to get a lot of targets when Dak Prescott can't throw the ball outside the numbers or downfield. Right? That is right. Your slot receiver is going to be very active That's on right. Sunday. We'll see how the Eagles cover him. All right, let's go to our second big question, which is Golden Tate, who's here now yeah, practicing, learning the offense. How do we think the offense is going to look with Golden Tate? Because it's clear that Golden Tate is a slot guy at times. He could play a little outside. Nelson, the same thing. There's, that question has been out there since they made the trade. Good trade. Everyone was excited, but... Now, how does Doug make it work, Shiel? Uh, I mean, I think there's two areas where he can help immediately. I think, number one, they always talk about self-scouting during the bye week, and I think one of the main takeaways they probably had is that Carson Wentz is getting sacked way too much. I mean, look at all of the numbers. They're up from last year pretty significantly, and I think if you look at it, that's really what's hurt a lot of these drives. I mean, his passing numbers are off the charts when he has time, when he actually gets rid of the football, things are going very well, but these sacks have just been killing them on these drives. So I think Golden Tate on third down, uh, you know, third and six, this is a guy who should be able to help you right away from the slot. So I think that's number one. He gives you a little outlet to get rid of the football. And number two, I think they've just got to stay aggressive throwing the ball downfield. You know, you watch that Saints-Rams game from last week, and it's just like, with ease, 40 yards down the field, they're scoring two, three-play drives. And with the Eagles, everything has just seemed like it's tough, like eight, nine, ten-play drives. you got to get yourself in third and manageable. Like, that's not really the NFL in Mm-mm. 2018. You need to have that quick-strike offense. And, I, you know, that's not typically Golden Tate's strength, so you got to scheme some stuff up. I think he's a good player. I think if you scheme it up, he can make plays. But whatever it is, maybe it opens up stuff for Nelson Aguilar in a different role. Maybe it's just taking shots to Alshon Jeffrey. Whatever it is, Doug Peterson even said, this week, the last two games, we've tried to be more aggressive downfield, and the numbers back that up. Uh, that element needs to be a part of this offense in the second half of the season. I'm really curious to see how Doug Peterson is going to deploy Golden Tate and Nelson Aguilar together at the same time, because you look at their numbers, the specific way that they are used over the past two seasons, they are basically the same player. Golden Tate's just a little bit better. And the idea that Golden Tate can stretch the field, I, I'm not sure that I buy uh, the way that he has been used when on the outside over the past two seasons is air yards per target. So where he is is when the ball is thrown is 102nd of 106 receivers. So he's getting the ball quick. He's great run after the catch. He opens things up in that capacity. But I think it makes more sense to keep him inside 
and move Nelson Aguilar outside. Now, we, we've probably been talking about that for a few uh, years now that maybe Nelson Aguilar needs more snaps on the outside. I think now it's the time to do it. I don't know if that's the direction they're going to go. But one thing that we have talked about is that the Eagles last year were so good out of 11 personnel. They've been pretty bad out of 11 personnel this year. You think that the addition of Golden Tate will help them, even in the running game where he's you know a good blocker for a receiver, which is not necessarily that important. But I'm just very curious to see how Doug Peterson is going to use these guys. You give up a third-round pick, you've got eight games you have to get him involved very soon, right, to make it worth it. have to. Let me throw this at you because I've heard this a little bit this week, and we saw the Patriots use Cordero, Par- Cordero Patterson as a running back a little bit last couple weeks, but especially Sunday night against the Packers. Golden Tate played a little running back when he was at Notre Dame. Is there any chance we see something like that at some point with Doug using him out of the backfield? I think maybe like one play a, a game. Gadget play like a, 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 a jet sweep yeah. or something. Yeah, no, I don't. I would be surprised if he's having multiple snaps in the backfield where he is your running back. But I, I do think Bo is right, and I asked Doug Peterson to compare and contrast Aguilar and Tate's skill sets because it does seem like there's some redundancy there. And he came out you know, pretty flatly and said Aguilar's got more straight-line speed and Tate's the guy in sort of the short and intermediate part of the field uh, with the ball in his hand. So I think Bo is correct in that that if anyone's going to play more snaps outside, I think it probably is going to be Aguilar. All right, let's grab a phone call here. Q is in Center City talking Golden Tate. What's up, Q? Before I get to Golden Tate, go to Candy, Mike and Ice, and Jolly Joe. You like Mike oh and Ice? Q, come Q, on, Q. And Jolly Joe. If you like now, how you don't like Mike and Ice? I guess you guys don't like now. Dude, totally different candy. Come on, man. They come up in the same era, and, they, and when you purchase them, they was next to each other, and I love Mike and Ice. You know Q, what I, Q, I, want you to, I want you to keep it real right now. How much did Jack pay you? No, this is real. And, and I, don't know. I, live I really to, think that he is on to something. Yeah, stop Listen, that. I live next door to bodegas. In every bodega, they got Jolly Joe's and Mike and I. So the kids and the adults alike love them, man. You know what I love, Q? I love when we talk about real-life things like we do sports. Like, the way you did, you, the way you broke down candy it reminded me of quarterbacks. Like, they came up in the same era. If you like Montana, you like Elway. Come on now, Q. That, that, that's real. That's, well, that's real. Great. What do you think about Golden Tate here? I think they'll take on a line of receiving core up pretty nicely. I think Nelson Aguilar is going to learn a lot about a lot about getting open. I think Golden Tate is what I like to call when all falls down. When the play breaks down, he finds a spot. And it's him and Carson you get on that page because it's like four plays of the game where everything breaks down, Carson got to do it on his own. I think Golden Tate's going to help him with the, like, uh, uh, the sack problem. He's going to be able to get it out quicker. And the yak, you cannot overlook the yak. He's like top five in yak receiving yards throughout his career. So I think he's going to line it up, Aguilar, and learn from him, learn how to get over those little nuances that you only can learn from another receiver. And I think it's going to work out pretty nice for Carson. Well, I could, and Q, we appreciate it. I mean, the one thing for Carson's shield, and you mentioned the, the sacks and how many, you know, car, how many, how often Wentz has been hit. You would think that Tate's going to help Carson get the ball out quickly. Like That has yeah. to be the plan the second half. There's no doubt about it. I mean, if you look at him and watch his targets even just from this year, him lined up against the nickel corner, you know, and having what they call those option routes where it depends on the cornerback's leverage. Is he going left, right? He's kind of got a two-way option. Like, he is the king of that. And Q makes a good point. I mean, all the young receivers talk this year about, you know, learning from Nelson Aguilar and coming in early like, you know, he does not have nearly the body of work right. that Golden Tate yep. has. And I think he is right about those nuances. And, yeah, you know, asking a couple of coaches this week, can Golden Tate help with the sack problem? And they've said, yeah, you know, we certainly hope hope that he can give Carson Wentz that outlet right away. 
All right, let's hit our last question here on three questions. Opening segment, Birds with Friends Radio. Sheil and Bo in studio with us. Are the Eagles, as now presently constituted, and if you, we can assume some health with some guys coming back, but the roster they have, are they good enough to make a run deep in the playoffs again? What's your feeling on that? Because I believe they are. I, I do. Look, the Rams and Saints are better than those teams, right, than the Eagles right now. But in one-game settings, I don't see why the best of the Eagles couldn't play with those teams come January. I say yes. What do you guys think? I mean, right now, I think the answer is no. I think right now they are not good enough. But I think they are positioned that they can get on that kind of run. And, and as we've talked about, the biggest reason for that is that they have one of the best quarterbacks in the game, and that's the most important thing. If Carson Wentz is hot in a one-game scenario, Sure, they can beat they can beat anybody. I mean, they've they've got enough weapons on offense now. If you luck into a couple turnovers, you know they've got guys who can get after the quarterback. I see no reason that they can't do that. But at the same time, I mean, if they lose on Sunday, all of a sudden you're looking at a trip to New Orleans. You're four and six. Maybe all of a sudden the, the season's getting away from them. So I mean, they I, I think they are positioned to do that. I don't know if if we're going to see it. I always like teams that can win in a number of different ways. I don't think the Eagles are going to be that type of team. However, I think that one path, that one path of Wentz is kind of putting the team on his back and all these weapons are clicking. And the Doug P of last year, he's getting the buzz as the great play caller, the great play designer. Yes, I can see that scenario playing out. I mean, really, that's how you have to win. You're seeing the Saints and the Rams and the Chiefs and all the best teams are the ones that on any given Sunday can put up 34, 35, 40, 45 points. That has not been the Eagles this year. They're averaging 22 points per game. I mean, that is terrible in 2018. So uh, I think the scenario is there for him. The path is there for him. Washington loses two guards and a wide receiver last week. You have a great chance to win the division, but it's got to be this offense looking like it's looked last year. That That's their one path to getting back. It feels so simple, but it feels like it's reality. They need to score more points. Yeah. If they do that, they're going to win a lot of games. They have scored over 24 once this year. Last, last year they did 12 times. Yeah, it was year. easy. It felt easy for them last yes, year, didn't it? Everything, everything felt easy. seems hard for them this year, and maybe the addition of Tate, maybe some of the self-scouting during the bye, uh, maybe some of that will look different now going forward. I think there's a lot on, on Doug Peterson's plate, like no the doubt. things you just said. Incorporating Golden Tate getting some self-scouting to turn this offense around and make it look easier than it's looked. There's a lot on Doug Peterson's plate right now. By the way, also keeping everyone happy now. I mean, Tate, Aguilar, Jeffrey, Ertz, a lot of mouths to feed now. And with Tate and Aguilar, both of them are playing for contracts. Now, You would think both those guys are going to get paid regardless of what happens in the second half. Well, I would think they're they're going to get paid their their value. The second half probably shouldn't change it that much. But... In their minds, it for could. Tate especially, I think that's I think that's yeah. Right. Tate's yeah. value is probably sealed. For Aguilar, it could be a little bit different. It could. And before I, the season, he was probably feeling pretty good about being in Philadelphia long term, and now he's probably you know there are, have to be some questions about where his long term future is. A good be. point. All right, we'll come back. We have report canards coming up, which Bo will explain before we get to that. Bo, why don't you tell everyone about the Athletic and how they could sign up? Theathletic.com slash WIP gets you thirty percent off. And a free one week trial to all the good stuff we have on theathletic.com. You've got Shields, all 22 breakdowns, big offseason for the Phillies. Megan Montemuro was on the scene at the GM meetings. In Carlsbad? In Carlsbad, reporting about what Matt Klentak said about some of the uh, Phillies' offseason plans. You can check that out. Lots of great stuff. We promise it'll be worth your while. Worth your while. Check it out, The Athletic. Uh, com slash Philadelphia. 888 is how you get in. On Birds with Friends Radio, Sports Radio 94 WIP. I really think that he is on to something. 
Can we ban that guy? Welcome back. The Evening Show, Sports Radio 94 WIP. This hour, as we do every Wednesday night, it is Birds with Friends Radio, Shil Kapadia and Bo Wolf of The Athletic in studio here. And as we usually do in our second segment, and we're going to have an elongated one this uh, this week, we do a special segment with, uh, would you say, a bird pun? Is that, is that how you describe That's it? That's accurate. Bo, what do we got on tap tonight? Well, eight games through the season, natural midway point. We're going to give you our uh, report canards. Report canards. Now, this, I don't know if everyone in the audience knows what a canard is. Well, a canard is French for duck. And, you, oh. you know, you saw Carson Wentz killing all those ducks out in, out in North Dakota. I did see that along with Mike Trout. That's right. So we're going we're gonna to try to knock down a few feathers ourselves with these, uh, these grades over the course of the first eight games. We'll grade them not on expectation, but sort of on performance, position by position. We'll do the offense this segment and then the defense next segment. How's right, that let's sound? Let's do it. Report canards. Why don't we start a quarterback? Okay. You, what do you tell me? I'll lead Car- us off. Carson Wentz. I'm going to give Carson Wentz an A-. minus. I, I feel the exact same way. Okay. Now, however, you have to factor in two games of Nick Foles. Mm-hmm. I'm, quarterback I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm going to play by my own rules. Okay, I'm going to talk about Carson Wentz. I don't care about those first two games. So the numbers are fantastic. I mean, you know, Joe's been mentioning it on my drive-in all night. Over 70% completions, 13 touchdowns, two interceptions. It's incredible. That he's st- you know he started six games and they're four and four and he's putting up those numbers so uh, I think he's doing a good job so why the minus? Now I look at the Panthers game and you know that's the one blemish there where they had chances at the end of that game where I feel like if he plays the way he's capable of playing if they get a B out of him in the fourth quarter I think they win that game and uh, you know he just didn't finish that well he's allowed to have bad games it's his it's his third year. In the NFL, but at the same time, we have to be fair about it. So he's the reason, he's the ceiling, all that. But I'm going to give him an A minus. I'm going to bump it down to a B plus oh, because of greater. because of two games of Nick Foles, and I'm playing by the rules. And <sighs> in addition to the things that you just said about Carson Wentz, the fumbles are a real concern. True. And he has given the ball away too many times that in that sense. He's been good on interceptions that you know two, and uh, it, it is really impressive that he has raised his completion percentage by 10 points while also raising his yards per attempt. Pretty fantastic uh, work out of Carson Wentz. But, you know, the standards are high for a quarterback in the NFL. In the National Football League, I'll go B+. Plus. I'm going to go with B for the quarterbacks because of Foles. I'm going to give... You're going to play by the rules. Thank you. I'm playing Losers. by the rules. But I'm going B plus for Carson on his own. And here's why. The fumbles, which you guys mentioned. I'm not even going to take so much off the Carolina game. Like, that happens. The defense blew the lead. They should have scored more points, and he should have made a better throw at the end and played better. But I look at the rest of the NFL, and it's hard for me to look at Carson and be so overwhelmed when everyone is doing what Carson Wentz is doing. Mm. He's not, like, unless there's just a, a classroom we have right now of all A students, I can't give everyone an A. Carson Wentz is... Seventh in yards per attempt, or tenth, excuse me, tenth in yards per attempt. He's seventh in quarterback rating. Isn't that crazy? Doesn't that feel crazy? Yeah, it's a different league. It is. So he's playing well. A lot of guys are playing well. I go B plus. I think there's one more notch he could take. I think that's fair. That that that's a very good explanation. You have the hang of the report. Your first report, Knard. Great My, explanation. I got it. Report. Yeah. I like this. Yeah, one. you came Knard. in hot. Good job. Very nicely done. All right, running back. You've got the poo poo platter. <laughs> Of Wendell Smallwood, a few games of Jay Ajayi, one game of Darren Sproles, Corey Clement, banged up, and Josh Adams, everybody's new favorite eagle. I, w- I was struggling with how harsh to be here. I think I'm probably going to give them a D. I think you could, if you want to give them a little bit higher, I'll be all right with that. You know, the raw numbers aren't terrible. 
725 yards from the running backs, averaging 4.03 yards per carry. Just no juice. I feel like they've left plays on the field when you watch the film. Some of these uh, blocking schemes are working and holes are opening up. They can't make people miss. They can't run over people. And I think if you compare them to the rest of the league, there probably aren't too many teams I would not trade uh, running back groups for. And to be quite honest, I think this is the group with like the uh, lowest ceiling in the second half of the season. I don't see a lot of room for growth, even if Darren Sproles comes back a little bit. Maybe Josh Adams shows some juice. I just don't see a scenario where like a month from now we're going to be saying, wow, those running backs really got it together. So, uh, you know, maybe I'm a harsh grader, but I'm going to give him a D. I was going to go D plus. I mean, I like that you said, and I was thinking about being harsh, but instead I'm going to give him a D. What is a D plus? Do you, can you even get a D plus? I don't remember yeah, ever I'm, getting a D plus. I don't yeah. remember anyone I knew. I'm trying a to D+. be a little different, okay, you know, for right. for difference's sake. Wendell Smallwood, like you know, is leading is leading the team right with 257 rushing yards, 4.3 yards per attempt. Doesn't sound terrible. One of the things I, I looked up earlier this week, Wendell Smallwood is running against an eight man box. 3.3% of the time in his carries, which is, like, by far the lowest number in the league. No one is scared of Wendell Small. So, I mean, on the one hand, that's a fantastic job by the coaching staff and specifically by Carson Wentz at the line of scrimmage. But it tells you that his 4.3 yards per carry is, like, really not that impressive. Nobody's scared of him. Uh, he's, he has not been that great. He's been terrible in pass protection. Uh, Jay Ajayi gets credit for playing through a broken back, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this group is... I think probably talent-wise, fair to say the worst group on the roster. I think it has to be. Yeah, I think that's probably. And then right. and lost to Jai, which changes the whole equation. Yeah. I, I give it a D, and it's really because of Corey Clement. I mean, if Corey Clement was the guy that he looked like he was yeah. going to be last year, and even the first three or four games of the season, he didn't get many carries, but he was effective when he ran the ball. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with him. He's either hurt, gotta be, or he got out of shape. You know, some of the guys get out of shape when they don't play or they have an injury mm-hmm. for a while. Maybe I, I don't know what Swaldell it is. Swaldell Beckham's rocked up now. Yeah, he looks jacked up. Yeah, that's up. true. Yeah, yeah, well, a, he's a different kind of athlete yeah. maybe than, than Corey Clement. <laughs> but I don't know. I just hope he figures it out because he's the one guy that could change the ceiling of this group. You know, Sproles is Sproles. I think that's right. Clement, if he's good, that changes things. Yeah, I had high expectations for him coming into the season. I think you're right. I think it's got to be injury related. It's the only thing that makes sense. So. I guess if you're looking for a bright spot, maybe he gets healthier down the stretch and can help you a little bit. The guy was so good, so integral to your success in the postseason last year. You buy any of this Josh Adams hype, Joe? 5.4 yards a carry. Big back. Doug seemed to like him when he talked about him a couple weeks ago. I'm buying it a little bit. Yeah? I think everybody's getting ahead of themselves. You think so? On Josh Adams, yeah. In that's two weeks, are we still talking about Josh Adams? Or it's I like, mean, hey, that Jaguars yeah, game that's was what fun. I, I mean, if Josh Adams, if, if his butt doesn't hit the ground a, a second later or sooner... You know, we're talking about a guy who might get cut for for fumbling that game away. I think we just want to believe every year they're going to have an undrafted running back yeah. who helps them win a Super Bowl. Yeah. Probably not going to happen that way. Yeah, that's true. All right, moving on to the wide receivers. Boy, it started ugly for the wide receivers, but uh, Alshon Jeffrey's return has bumped things up a little bit. Nelson Aguilar's numbers are down. Golden Tate obviously does not factor in here. Jordan Matthews, Kamar Aiken, DeAndre Carter. What a group. Josh Perkins was basically a wide receiver for one game. Yeah, What do you got, Shiel? I'm going to give him a C-. minus. I think Alshon Jeffrey, we're probably not talking enough about how good this guy has looked. I mean, 
maybe when they self-scout, they're like, let's feed him the ball every time we throw it to him, whether it's a screen, a contested catch, a back shoulder throw. Uh, he's coming out and making plays. He looks better than he did at any point last year in my estimation. So I think that's something we could see in the second half of the season. Nelson Aguilar, it has just been such a strange season for the guy. You know, if you look at raw catches and raw yards, he's not going to be that far off from where he was last year, but averaging just nine yards per catch. You know, after last year, this was one of your true playmakers. So I think by any estimation, Nelson Aguilar is having a disappointing season. And then, I mean, you mentioned the rest. You got nothing from Hollins, nothing from Wallace. You're throwing Matthews out there. He he had a nice game a couple weeks ago. But the Aikens, the Wheatons, the Carters, the Shelton Gibson in his Mm -hmm. two snaps a game. One catch for 48 yards, Yeah, Yeah, I don't know how you can be very impressed with this group when you compare them uh, to the rest of the NFL. But now you have Golden Tate. So it does look a little bit different, especially if it's Tate and then either Hollins or Wallace or both of them getting healthy, then all of a sudden we might be having a different conversation. I'm confused as to why you think a D-plus is off the board, but you're allowed to have a C-minus. C-minus. I, I, if we polled every teacher in America, how mm. many C-minuses have you given out? How many D-pluses? I guarantee it would be many more C-minuses. Well, I think that's Much true, more but that doesn't mean rate. it's off the board. Of I mean, course it does. Okay. D-plus is unrealistic. Just give them the D. I'm actually going to agree with you on the C-minus here. Okay. I think you, uh, you hit the nail on the head. Alshon Jeffrey to the eye, looks so much more juicy than he did last season. You used to say he ran like an old man last year. I did. He did. He did run like an old man. He looks really nice this year. His catch rate is way up. His his yards per carrier, actually, or yards per catch, uh, career low. Become more of a possession guy. He's become a little bit more of a possession guy. Now, I mean, there's, you know, he's only played five games, right? Last game he was going up against Jalen Ramsey. There's some some noise in there, but uh, he looks really good to me. But he's been the only one. So I think, I think C-minus is fair. I would even consider a D-plus. I'm going D-plus. The, the fact that they had to trade for Golden Tate and give him a third-round pick. That's a great point. Shows you that. Joe is coming in hot that's with a his great point. report, Canard. They, they, they were so low, they had to give up a third-round pick to fix it. That's Listen, true. They're, they're it's like bringing, bringing in a, a, a tutor. you got to hire a tutor. That's exactly what it is. They realize this is the part of class that needs a lot of help here. we got to help it. And this... It's it's not been good. Nelson's been disappointing. Uh, Obviously, you mentioned Alshon. They're missing a couple games and then not having the big explosive plays. The fact that Jordan Matthews might have saved this group from a flat (laughs) F is not good. Jordan Matthews is averaging 20 yards a catch, and no one cares. It's unbelievable. And he's probably replaced him. He may may not play another offensive snap all year if guys stay healthy. D-plus, wide receivers. All right, I think we can, can, for time's sake, say that the tight ends, I mean, that's an A. Right. Are we short not short on time? We're getting kicked out this hour or something? Well, we're coming up against the break. Oh, you know, okay. We've got to get know. to the offensive line. Right. Zach Ertz is on pace for the most catches by tight end in NFL history. And Dallas Goddard has been impressive. I'm giving him an A. Let me give you a little quick tight end Go note. For it. Wentz to Goddard so far. 17 for 18 for 184 yards and three touchdowns. Can you get the guy on the? Can you can yeah. you get him involved a little bit more? Tell Doug that one before the game on Sunday. Yeah, I'll tell him tomorrow. I mean, he's got to hear that. He, he should Doug. know it. I like that. Doug's yeah. a listener. That is a crazy stat. Yeah. That's a hundred, almost a hundred percent. Unbelievable. Yeah, because I think man. I knew that he was eighteen of twenty-one on on targets. So yeah. I guess one for three from Foles. Yeah, nice. That's a good nugget. Uh, A's, A's across the board. A's across A's, the board. Yeah. Fantastic group. Best group in the NFL. Eight hundred and ninety-nine receiving yards from the group. First in the NFL. Very nice. All right, offensive line. We've talked about it. Stefan Wisniewski gets benched for Isaac Siamalu. Jason Peters and Lane Johnson are playing through their limbs falling off. Jason Kelsey gets kicked where the sun don't shine, but still plays. Brandon Brooks has been good. What do you make? 
I'm going to give him a B, and maybe this is being generous, but I think if you look at offensive play or line play around the NFL, and Jason Peters, by the way, frequently points this out, that, hey, I get beat sometimes, but I'm still playing better than most of these guys out there. And I think, you know, for the most part, he's probably right. Are they the same group as they were a year ago when they were probably an A+. No, absolutely not. They've had their issues. Wentz is getting sacked too much, too many pressures. Uh, run game has not clicked. At the same time, I think if you look at them comparatively against a lot of these other contenders, save for maybe the Saints, uh, they're better than many of them. I think there's an upside there. These guys are playing through injuries. I think it's still the heartbeat of the team. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little bit easy there and give them a B. C-plus for Whoa. me. The sack rate's way high. As you've pointed out, the sack rate is high, and it's not like it's because he's holding the ball. They're, what is it? Where, where do they rank in terms of when Wentz is sacked? The, the quickest they're in the league, right? They're very fast sacks, yeah. So they're very fast sacks. The run game has been not dynamic. I think, you know, I give, the, I give their, uh, their grit an A for the injuries they're playing through, but performance-wise, that's a C-plus to me. Okay. I go C-plus, too, and it's the biggest disappointment because they went from A yeah. or A-plus last year, all things in total, to C-plus. That's a problem, and that needs to get fixed in the second half. So I'll go C-plus as well. For the offensive line, this was report canards for the offense. On the other side, report canards for the defense. As we look forward to the second half of the season, first half in the books. Bo, why don't you tell everyone how they could subscribe to The Athletic? Theathletic.com slash WIP gets you 30% off and a free one-week trial. Check it out. Nothing but good stuff. Jason Stark, Ken Rosenthal, all the greats. That should be your tagline. Nothing but good stuff. The Athletic. All right, 888-729-9494 to hop in. This is Birds with Friends Radio, Sports Radio 94, WIP. Joe, I've been listening to you for a while. You you know the hell out of me. There he is, my buddy from last week. Welcome back. Birds with Friends Radio, Sports Radio 94, WIP. Hopefully this hour doesn't bother the hell out of people. I don't think it does. It's a good hour radio. Bo Wolf, Shilkapati of The Athletic joining us here in studio and we're doing report canards. We did the offense, Bo, and now it's time to look at the defense here, which I'm intrigued how we're gonna how we're gonna grade these guys here. Well, let's start with the defensive line. Fletcher Cox has been outstanding. Derek Barnett was good in his five games. Michael Bennett's been pretty solid. Chris Long has been a little bit of a disappointment based on last year. The other defensive tackles have been uh, invisible for the most part. Are they even attending class? Is the question? That's a good question. Yeah, there's. You know the the tardiness or the uh, how many how many classes are you allowed to miss? I guess. So what do you what do you make of the defensive line, Shield? I'm going to go with a B. I think Fletcher Cox is like the um, you know the the state valedictorian, like the standout mm. in all of Pennsylvania, bringing everyone's grades up here because he has been outstanding. Just you know, he talked before the season about wanting to be defensive player of the year. I think he's been an impact player every single week out there uh, decimating other teams, destroying other teams' offensive linemen. So uh, Fletcher Cox brings it up. I think Michael Bennett has met my expectations, I would say. I wouldn't say, like, he's been out of this world, but I would say if they knew what they were getting from him, you know, what they've gotten from him, they would have certainly made that trade. I think he's been good. Brandon Graham has underwhelmed. I think he's got to play better in the second half of the season. I don't think those are faulty stats when you look at his numbers. I don't think he's impacted uh, the games enough. And then you mentioned Chris Long has been okay. He had a better game last week against Jacksonville. I will say this group still leads the NFL 8.8 quarterback hits per game. 
And if you look at opposing quarterbacks, they're getting rid of the ball very fast against the Eagles, second fastest time in the NFL. So they're still impacting games when offenses game plan against the Eagles. They're saying, all right, that front four can get after us. So I'll still give them a B. We talked on Birds with Friends yesterday about how the uh, the run defense is surprisingly low-ranked in Football Outsiders DVOA. Uh, a good friend looked into that a little bit closer, and the defensive line yards against the run are, are I think, best in the league. It's the secondary, the back seven, where they're f- failing, so they, they get credit for being very good against the run. Uh, I, think, uh, I think B is fair. I think I'll probably agree with that. You feel for Fletcher Cox, you know, when the class is given a, a group project and, like, He's one guy, one guy's yeah. not showing up to meetings. He's not contributing anything. Fletcher has to write his paragraph for him, but in the end, he pulls it together and gets a good enough grade. It's a B. I mean, I, I think that's a, it's a fair grade across. I'll go B as well. And Fletcher's the only reason they're there. Otherwise, it'd probably be in the C C plus category because the other guys, it just hasn't felt impactful. Shield, you had the numbers. It just hasn't felt like they've made game changing plays last yeah. year. They seem. To, I think back to. Remember the game in Los Angeles against the Chargers early last season? Chris Long had the, the stack and the strip of Phillip Rivers. It just felt like they made plays that changed games. This year, they haven't done that, and Fletcher Cox has been a standout for them. He's kept this thing afloat. Yeah, I think that's right, especially they've had chances in the fourth quarter yep. to put teams away, and they haven't been able to come up with that one play that created their turnovers are way down as a defense. I think that's something maybe you get some positive regression in the second half of the year. How about linebacker Jordan Hicks in a contract year trying to prove that he can stay healthy has played every single snap of the Eagles defensive season, the only player on offense or defense to do that. Nigel Bradham, seven of eight games after the one-game suspension, feels like he has been a little bit less impactful, even if his numbers are about the same as they were last year. Kamu, 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 Garuje Hill as the will linebacker. What do you make of those guys? This, this is like the shrug emoji, you know? It's, it's like they're out there. Are they doing anything? They're showing up to class. They're showing They're up. there every They're day. They're getting by. Perfect attendance you know, for Jordan Hicks, who always yeah. seemed to miss class before. So he's here. That's, that's right. They're showing up. But that's kind of all you can really say about him. I mean, Jordan Hicks and Nigel Bradham through eight games, zero forced fumbles, zero interceptions. You know, I know Hicks caused the one that what uh, that Camus, that Camus yes. came up with. But still, they, they just have not been impact players. I don't think Bradham's playing as well as he was last year. Jordan Hicks, each of the last two games, has you know not been able to keep up with the running back on those pick plays, gives up an explosive play. So they've been fine, but I'm giving them a C. I, I don't see, you know, I think this is sort of the epitome of an average linebacking core in the NFL. I was gonna, I was considering a, a C minus, but I think I think C is probably fair. They get a, they get a little bit of credit for showing up, but they have they have not done anything uh, to merit anything better than that. I'll go C minus because uh, can you think of one play they've made? That's true. Just like just close your eyes, think of a play that oh wow, what it's a play! It's just it's the only play just is the Eli line. interception. Yeah, yeah that's, that's it. it. And that's Eli. Yeah, that part right, is exactly. more of Eli than anything else. Yeah, Bradham has felt invisible this year. Like I feel like last I year we yeah. called it. I, I, we talked about his name on this station all the time. Yeah. This year, no one, no one has brought his name up in weeks. That's not good. Yeah, you know, I was asking the linebackers coach uh, Ken Flajol about that, and you know, he was making the point that Bradham's playing a different position. Maybe he was better as the middle linebacker. Maybe mm. that's going to have an impact after the season, and they're going to say. We're losing production from Bradham playing in a different spot. He was really good as the middle linebacker in 17. We'll let Hicks walk, and we'll plug Bradham in there. Who knows? Maybe. Certainly possible. All right, cornerback. We'll split up uh, corner and safety. Jalen Mills, everybody's favorite. Eagle, Ronald Darby, Sidney Jones on the inside. 
Two games of Dexter McDougal. Random plays here and there of Rasul Douglas. How do you grade the corners? I struggled with this one because cornerback play is not good around it's the true. NFL. And guys are getting torched left and right. The but course load is very difficult. It's like, it's like an AP class. You know what, though? I don't care. They've played terrible, and we're going <laughs> to give them a D. I'm not going to grade on a curve for these guys. Outside wide receivers against the Eagles, averaging over 157 yards per game, the second highest total of any defense in the NFL. So even when you're looking at them comparatively, guys lined up on the outside are just torching these guys left and right, double moves, poor tackling. The only thing they're doing well is kind of tightening it up in the red zone a little bit, but has been the weakness of the defense when you have a decent defensive line. Uh, I'm giving them a D. Third best red zone defense in the NFL. Would you believe that the Eagles have surrendered the second fewest touchdowns per game in the NFL? Well, I believe it because I keep telling it to Jack the whole week long. Fifth in scoring defense. Smoke and mirrors. uh, Smoke and mirrors. I think that's probably right. Um, I'm going to give them that vaunted D+. Mm. Thanks to uh, Sidney Jones, I think, has done a good job in the slot. They'll pin that one on the fridge. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Mom and Dad are going to be very happy. Uh, I think they've done a, a good enough job in the slot. But all you need to know is that, you know, anytime a team needs to move the ball, in the second half, whether it's Marcus Mariota or Blake Bortles, they can throw the ball all over the secondary. They have been pretty bad. I will go with a C- minus because I think the sec- the red zone performance has been, like you said, Bo, pretty good. And it may be smoke and mirror shield. It really may very well be. But if you're one of the only six teams in the NFL allowing less than 20 points a game in the NFL today, Fair. it can't be that bad. Yeah, it true. can't be that bad. They're not a failing group, although at times they've looked like it. I will go... With a C minus. Yeah, I think they're like a, they're like a C plus in the first half and an F in the second mm, half. Yeah. All right. How about the safeties? Malcolm Jenkins has been maybe not quite at the standard that he set the past few seasons. Rodney McLeod goes down after two or three games. Corey Graham has that disastrous one game, and then Avante Maddox, everybody's favorite player, guy can play football now. Yeah, I'm going to give him a B, and I think because this one, you look comparatively, safety play in the NFL. I mean, teams cannot find two safeties to play, and here you withstood an injury, and maybe you found a little. I mean, Avante Maddox is not perfect. He's had ups and downs, but at least he looks like a guy showing some potential, making some plays when no one else in the back seven is doing that at all. I would agree Jenkins has not been as good as he was last year. He's still better than most safeties in the NFL. So what did I say? I already forget my grade. B. B. I'll stick with a B. I'll, I'll go B minus giving him a little bit of a demerit for some of the big plays in the running game and uh, that Tennessee game, which was just a disaster. But I, I, I like uh, I like this group as one that I expect to do better in the second half of the season than they've done in the first half of the I season. I will go to B-minus, and I, I think the uh, ascension here of Vontae Maddox can change this group. I think that's what you're kind of alluding to there. And hopefully Malcolm keeps playing at a high level. I keep waiting for Malcolm to fall, and I don't think he's as good as he was two years ago. But he's still really good. And if he keeps it up, Avante Maddox and Malcolm, that's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good. I think that's right. I, you know what we've kind of put together here? A four and four football team. Yeah. It's true. A lot of Bs that's, and that's Cs. That's a very Jim Schwartz thing. That's, you know, everybody's playing like a four and four player. It's that's not fluky. It's not fluky. They've played like a four and four team. And now we'll see over the next couple of weeks if they change what they are. Right. All right, guys, this was fun. Birds with Friends Radio. I'll see you guys next week after the Cowboys game. And Shield, before you go, 
Tell us how we can sign up for The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash WIP. 30% off, a seven-day free trial. We've got everything you want in there. All Philadelphia sports covered. As the Eagles go through the stretch run, we'll have some unique content on there. Check it out, theathletic.com slash WIP. Sounds great. We'll come back. All your phone calls. It's time for our nightly hot stove check-in. And boy, do we have something to talk about coming up at 9 o'clock. I'm going to read you a headline from USA Today, and then we'll talk about it on the other side. Bryce Harper will sign with the Phillies. You could bank on it. 888-729-9494, Sports Radio 94, WIP.